0: Be Your Best You, the Passion Into Purpose podcast with David Delaney. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Be Your Best You, the Passion Into Purpose podcast. This morning we talked to Gillian Godsell. Gillian is a journalist, broadcaster, writer and law changer, having changed the law in 2014 to allow bankrupts to run for public office. She ran for Europe, which we discuss, as well as as her work in blockchain. She's editor-in-chief of Block Leaders and she was awarded the 2020 Uptrend Blockchain Journalist of the Year. Gillian is considered one of the top 100 people in blockchain globally. And she's also been nominated for an IMRO award for her East Coast FM radio show. And she broadcasts weekly on Dublin City FM with her show Making a Difference. So this morning Gillian is on the other side of the mic as we chat to her and we find out about what drives her. Good morning, Gillian, and you're very welcome to this morning's episode of Be Your Best You. How are you this morning?
1: I'm my best me. (laughs)
0: Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, Gillian, tell us a little bit about, uh, firstly, about what you do um, and and why you do it. Tell, Tell us what you do.
1: Okay. Well, now, actually, just interesting. Now I am a journalist, broadcaster and author. And isn't it exciting because I spoke with somebody earlier today, they're actually in uh, Thailand and um, she has a weekly column with a mainstream publication. And I said, Oh, you're a journalist too. Oh, she said, Oh no, I'm not a journalist. I just write a weekly column for a mainstream paper. And I went, that's what a journalist does. So sometimes <laughs> there are labels we're very slow to take on, aren't we? And some, nobody's any problems saying, Oh, I'm an office worker, but people have a okay. problem. They say, Oh, I'm a journalist or I'm a writer or I'm a painter, you know, sometimes people need to be given permission, erroneously, to have those labels. Okay. Anyway, it's taken me 55 years or so, or oh, nearly 56, to say I am a, this month, a journalist, broadcaster, and author.
0: Okay, okay. So of, of that, um, the, the author side of things, tell us, tell us a little bit of the, the work, um, the work you've done on that side of things.
1: This arrived in the post this, yesterday. Um, my most recent book is called Persons of Interest, Time stamp, Stamped in Blockchain and Cryptocurrencies. And it's a collection of um, interviews that I've done with people in this space, this particular space of technology. And it's very exciting for people who don't know, You know, some people in here, I interviewed Andreas Antonopoulos and uh, John McAfee. Maybe People might, might know John McAfee because of the, the virusware software. But these people are huge people in this space. And it's like interviewing the Steve Jobs back in the day. Oh, so okay. these people, you know, another 10 years time, 20 years' time, they'll all be household names, or many of them okay. will go. So blockchain.
0: blockchain, um, blockchain Jillian, you, you do a lot of work in, in that in that field. I'm all Tell in us, blockchain.
1: <laughs> what is
0: blockchain? Can you explain blockchain! to us in, in maybe two sentences, three? I don't know. What what is blockchain to the ordinary person who may have heard the, the term bandied about, but
1: uh, what, what is it? Okay. It's a transformational technology. It is best described the same way that the internet is a transformational technology. When the internet first came along, people didn't kind of cop on to how important it was going to be. Now they are, of course, they do realize how important. People said at the start, Oh, I wouldn't buy clothes online. I have to try them on. And now you ask what millennial goes into a shop to try on clothes? They don't. They order them and they send them back and they don't like them. So it's changed the world dramatically. And blockchain, is also a transformational technology that will change the world and it's primarily known or is kind of known for one of its first um, use cases, if you like, is um, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, which is a d- digital cryptocurrency that people nowadays are paying attention to again. It's 12 years old. It was launched 12 years ago because the price is hitting 50k uh, US dollars, one for one Bitcoin. Go, oh, it's, it's, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. So the cryptocurrencies and blockchain are interchangeable in some ways. Well, they're interlinked, I suppose, not interchangeable. But blockchain, it's a transformative technology. And one of the things that it allows you to do is to exchange value peer to peer. So I can send you value, which is a.k.a. money of some kind, value. I can send it to you without a bank from my wallet on my smartphone to your wallet on your smartphone. And that's revolutionary about blockchain. We don't need a trusted intermediary. We don't need a bank in the middle to be able to facilitate okay. that exchange fairly and accurate, accurately.
0: Okay. How does a journalist and author end up working in blockchain?
1: You have a tough life. <laughs> no, two ways. One is I've been in fintech for most of my adult life anyway. So um, I, I've been through the dot-com boom. I've done, you know, and I really enjoy, I enjoy working in the space because fintech is is... I always said when I was doing the marcoms for this space, I always said, I'm glad I'm doing marcoms for stuff in fintech as opposed to maybe baked beans. Nothing against baked beans. You know, if I'm on a desert island, do I want fintech or baked beans? Baked beans, thank you very much. I'm going to live, you know, this food, but it's uh, fintech is changing and it's challenging and I'm not a natural nerd, but I'm excited by ideas. So I love being in the space because you see, I'm not, you know, I was a programmer, very bad programmer. I'm not nerdy by instinct. I get my daughter to fix my printer. You know, I'm not nerdy, but I love the ideas behind the space. So fintech for 30 years. And then when blockchain came about, I was so excited because blockchain is, because it's transformational. It does upset the apple cart a bit in the way we think about things. And I had a kind of traumatic last 12 years, if you like, coinciding in some ways with Bitcoin, me and Bitcoin. Oh, that you be my new novel, Bitcoin and me. Mm. so so it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride the last um 12 years and um yes that's um that's how I got into blockchain
0: okay okay the, the last one there is Gillian your name is in the Irish constitution um tell us a little bit about that
1: and and not in a bad way not as a criminal or something like that <laughs> okay yeah. well, just
0: I, yeah, that I, yeah 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 <laughs>
1: And, and, I, and, I, and the law would actually be called after me, only they darn well agreed on it. Long story short, I ended up being a bankrupt. I was the first female bankrupt under the new laws in 2014, I think 2013, 2014. And um, when I became bankrupt through a series of unfortunate incidents, which were not necessarily, when I say they were my fault, it, I, I became bankrupt through a combination of the recession and divorce and, and a lot of other things that happened. So it wasn't it was a kind of a just a regular bankruptcy i wasn't borrowing huge amounts i wasn't you know doing deals in mexico and turkey and all around the world just doing my own sort of business whatever and all went belly up and um i discovered i wasn't allowed to run for public office as a bankrupt because we inherited old laws from the uk to say that being a bankrupt was somehow shameful and i got very agitated and very activated and i said excuse me just because i'm bankrupt doesn't mean that you know I, I'm a criminal, I didn't lie, cheat, steal, you know, mug people or anything like that. I'm, I'm sure I will in the future, but I hadn't at that stage. And in fact, <laughs> the irony was kind of this thing, I don't think i even had so much as much a, as a library ticket, hilarious, you know, all the things that you look back hmm. on. So um, anyway, so I, I changed the law. I, I went to that, brought the Irish government to the high court and I said that my constitutional rights are being infringed and that I should be allowed to run for public office. And um, the law was ch- changed. It actually went all the way to the okay. Supreme Court. But the reason why my name is not actually on the law was Originally, the Irish government put up a very robust defense, said, oh, no, you can't do this. And then they realized that if they fought the case in the courts, which was going to happen, it would uh, carry over the time of the 2014 European parliamentary elections. So if I wasn't allowed run in those elections, as per my case, you know, my argument, I could have had huge costs against the state. So I'm a bit sad about that. Actually, I don't know. No. Okay, I didn't okay. do it for costs, but ooh, it's right. quite nice contemplating. Oh, I'd have millions in my bank account had i not changed the law. <laughs> so,
0: so when you say public office, that that was MEP. You were you were going. I was running. Europe.
1: Yeah, running. And the thing is, I didn't get there. You know, I'm not an MEP. Um, I'm. Someone said, "Are you? That means you're always a failed candidate." No, I said, "I'm always an a, a you know candidate, not the forget the failed bit. I just you know." But it was, um, I went on the anti austerity angle. I, I was an independent. I had about a six week, eight week run and um, it was very exciting. And I mean, I got 11 and votes, which is huge. I mean, I had no money, I had no party, I had no advertising, I had nothing. And I had just used whatever I could in terms of online or digital or media, whatever that's, you know, anything that was free, I, I would talk to. And, um, but it just it showed there was a huge appetite in the Irish people. For fairness because they recognize that going bankrupt which is very painful but it was a global recession and people failed financially all the time and you know nine times out of ten it's not because they're cheating and lying and, and doing deals it's because life comes up and bites you on the bottom no more than okay. peter uh, father peter mcvery would often say that people are only a few paychecks away from being homeless until you've actually been down that path then you go oh my god it's true it's true okay. you know okay
0: so, uh, some of the, some of the guys that are in Dáil Éireann now and, and Shannon Aaron, Éireann—they're in there because of you, um, and, and the fact—at least that one person, a... yeah. Okay. That's that I'm must be pretty sure. cool.
1: <laughs> I don't know. There's one very prominent uh, 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 TD who has extravagant hair and colour in clothes, and he, he he is the TD for a county not so far south from where I am sitting here in Wicklow. And uh, around the time that my, my thing changed, uh, shortly after, sorry, there was a couple of articles in the papers saying that this TD should thank me for changing the law. Otherwise, he'd be turfed out because he was forced into bankruptcy. And He's the, still waiting we, on that. Thank you. I have yet to get the thank you. I just think that's a bit rude. Just a bit rude now. I kept your job. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So
0: I mean, you mentioned there a couple of things, the, the bankruptcy, the you know, the, the couple of checks from homelessness. Like it's it's fair to say that there has been quite a bit of adversity and a lot of challenge in, in your life. Um, what would you say to anyone listening who's kind of having a tough time? Um, you know, who might be, you know, as a result of pandemic. Who, who might be going through a similar situation, what would your advice to someone who's feeling, you know, pretty down and, and pretty, ah, you know, mm. you know what, what would you say to someone?
1: Well, first of all, I, I should add that I'm coming at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm coming through my really tough time. Uh, which allows me to be flippant and laughing and joking, you know, about this. So I I genuinely, it's only because the relief I'm going, Oh my Lord, I'm no longer there. You know, it's that kind of general relief, but Oh no, I, I spent 10 years in the doldrums and it is horrendous. And especially I have such empathy for people because when you're that stuck, you don't even know how to put food on the table. Almost. You're worrying about do you have enough money in the bank account to pay the rent? You know, you, 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 before you go shopping, you check your bank account. You know, these things that you do, and, I, and I'm by the way, I'm so not rich now, but it's I, I have that comfort where I, I have enough money in my bank account that I'm not going to be worried if I go shopping uh, for groceries that there won't be enough in the account. And that is so tough. And I was there for such a long time. And I remember thinking, how do people turn the corner? How do they get back going? And so in terms of advice, um, if you can, hang in there. You know how there's this very famous American inspirational speaker whose name eludes me, but he used to say, he's an ex-army man. He said, get up in the morning and make your bed. And it's if there is something to that because you tick the list and you get up and the bed is made. Now Nowadays, we have duvets. So there's not a whole lot of making in a bed, right? <laughs> not the old-fashioned day with the sheets and the blankets and the cloth yeah, yeah. on top. But, you know, they're pulling up, just putting your cushions back where they're meant to be and pulling up the duvet. That is that, that that's an achievement. And you go, okay, and in your head, it's a tick. And then getting up is a tick because sometimes it's really tough when you have nothing to get up for. Maybe you're not out of work. You can't get work. You know, just getting out of the bed can be difficult, you know. And 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 not because you're a you know lazy, ne'er do well. Maybe you didn't sleep well the night before, maybe you haven't slept well in the last couple of months, years even because of the worries. And that takes its toll, and you get up and you're always tired. So getting up, making your bed, hitting the shower, whatever it is, your morning routine um, is so important. Being kind to yourself, you know, allowing yourself to say, oh, look, I made the bed. <laughs> you know? oh, Actually, tell you a funny story, a couple of years ago, um, I was uh, living in this house and I decided I'm not really a girly, girly girl, but I, um, I, I had bought some nice um, new, you know, uh, bed linen and then I thought oh I'll have some cushions because don't very you know cur- c- cushions in the bedroom and they cushions up on the bed and so I had this whole array of cushions like the various places like Heaton's and Dunn's I don't know and the charity shop I had this collection of about 12 cushions at the top of my bed and then I'd find by the evening I was so tired when I'd crawl into bed I wouldn't move the cushions I'd kind of climb underneath them and I'd wake up and they'd still be there maybe they'd fall on the ground and um, I'm just so, so tired at the end of each day. I thought, Okay, I'll just leave them there. And then I had a brainwave because I thought this is not good for me sleeping under my, you know, decorative cushions. It's not really a good thing to do. Decorative cushions. No, it's not. It kind of defeats the purpose of having a nicely decorated bedroom. So then I had this brainwave. I put the cushions at the end of the bed. <laughs> so they are there to this day. I've moved house twice since, but they are at the end of my bed. So I can admire my lovely cushions. But you know, unless I have a kicking fit during the night, they tend to stay there, and I wake up not being you know covered by cushions. <laughs> so <laughs> advice to people: put cushions at the end of your bed. <laughs> don't put I them feel, up the I top. Feel. It's too much pressure—the pressure to try That's to good. remake them every day. And then so, um, the other thing I was going to say is laugh. We're laughing now, and it, it's it's much easier to laugh now. It really is because I don't feel that that sort of that fear like a heartburn oh I I can get upset now there was that fear the whole time just you didn't know what was going to happen next or how you're going to deal with stuff or what you're going to do and where could you find money and how would you tax the car and all these things that are really really hard it's like a heartburn that feeling the whole time and if you can laugh if you can you know have friends that you can make stupid jokes like those pillows I mean, what a ridiculous story, but it's quite funny at the same time, you know, and it's, it, yeah, yeah. that didn't cost anything, that story, except maybe my pride. <laughs> yeah. and, I will always and now we're single. putting
0: cushions back.
1: <laughs> I will always be single forever more that, because what man wants to be the woman who has his cushions? <laughs> Don't touch the cushions. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, tell me,
0: is there, is there a particular, just people, the technology um, side of thing, is there a particular app that's changed your life in, I, I normally ask people the last 10 years, but hey, let's keep up with the 12. Is there a particular app that's changed your life in the last 12 years?
1: Dating apps. Okay.
0: Tell me a bit about those. Uh,
1: they're quite handy because I was single obviously the cushions are not working for me and um still i'm single but sometimes i mean i'm joking but i'm not joking because they're a good distraction even now in lockdown i have no desire to talk to anybody in lockdown i don't because when i'm going to be out like march I, I don't do not want another pen pal i don't want to be chatting to somebody unless i'm going to meet them you know for a walk you know and i'm very happy about the meeting for the walk that's cool i don't mind that but so but having even still having said that it is a distraction it's just a bit of a you know, it's and when you're kind of, I don't know, it's very hard to have um, aspirational things. And you know, you maybe you see this picture of someone who's absolutely gorgeous, way out of your pay grade, you know. And uh, but maybe they match with you or something. And th- then you kind of go, I know that's a photograph from the web, but never mind, never mind. I will, <laughs> you know, continue this 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 little dream for a bit, this little you know day daydream. And it 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 did because I also I live in the countryside. I'm busy working. I don't, I'm not I'm not in Dublin so I'm not hitting the hot spots if they were even open anyway and I wouldn't be. Um, so it's yeah that, that's that's kept me going. It's kept yeah. me I wouldn't say sane, but maybe if I did meet somebody I wouldn't attack them because I've been distracted over <laughs> the years like some wild woman let out of a cage you know oh my God
0: Must love cushions is on your, your profile. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should do that yeah, yeah love me, love that, my yeah, cushions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you you exactly. have given me about three new titles for my autobiography. You know, Bitcoin Excellent. and me, a Cushions and me. They're all something and me. Is there a thread there? Okay. Okay, sorry.
0: Yes, absolutely. A thread on your cushions. <laughs> yeah. you, tell me, your 15-year-old self, um, what, what advice would you give your 15-year-old self?
1: There's only one thing I would tell her, and I'd tell it to myself. Now, actually, and I'm still not taking it, the advice is write more, write more, write more, because... I'm a writer and I have said since I was a child, you know, actually that's one thing that no one gave me permission. I've always said it. And I didn't write my first novel till I was 41 or 40, whatever. It's crazy. And even now the last, um, oh, it's eight years. I've been saying to myself to write your next novel. and I have, I have a couple of really good novels. I've got sort of ideas. I like little clouds at the moment. I need to write them. And so the same advice to my 15 year old self is to my 55 year old self, and I wish to God she'd take a bit of notice of this advice. I wish to God. Do you ever hurry up there? Excellent. Jill, um, thinking,
0: thinking, going back further, okay, um, what did you want to be as a kid? Oh, a
1: writer. What, what did you... A writer. Always oh,
0: want to be a writer. Always, okay.
1: always, always. That's why I'm just saying, Did you ever get your act together, girl?
0: Right. And, and it's something that, that from day one, that when you're kind of thinking of, of things that you want to be, it was always but, a but,
1: but I wasn't the child that was writing novels at a young age. I was reading. But I wasn't writing. Okay. So for this writer, I wasn't doing what I said on the tin. Very, Very strange that. John, what's your favorite song and why? Oh, that is a really good question. That's a really good question because I'm song deaf. You know, kids who grew up, it's, I didn't really have songs. I, my radio shows that I have, they're all talk shows. And at the moment I'm doing a, a, um, a music show on GCR, digital radio. I don't know the songs unless they're very old. I just don't know them. So I'm my favorite songs are hymns and girl guide songs. Okay. Is that A one? Um Yes, the bear song from the Girl Guides, but it takes about ten minutes to sing. <laughs> the other day, the other day, <laughs> I saw a bear. I saw a called, we'll,
0: we'll actually we'll, we'll have another episode of the podcast dedicated to me. I
1: will sing. I was a on. couple of guides. We'll you on They do. go on a long time. They're meant to go on a long time. They're meant for around the campfire or hymns. Excellent. I love hymns. Love hymns. Okay.
0: Is there a comfort in in hymns for you? Do you find a comfort in the?
1: Yes, because I grew up with them. Like My father loved him. So my father's favorite TV program was Songs of Praise on a Sunday night. And as kids, we didn't really like that, of course. But also as children, I look back on it now. When my father was church warden, we would go to church in the morning. No, we go to Sunday school at half ten. And the service was half eleven. Nowadays, kids, they combine them together. And then when he was church warden, we got a Sunday evening, uh, even song as well. And we used to help do the collection and count the money afterwards. We never Correct. stole any, just count it. It was always exciting as kids. Um, but so we do a lot of church and stuff growing up. And we weren't very religious. We just did a lot of church. I don't know. We weren't like Holy Joes or anything. Although, mind you, at family gatherings, we have the sing song. We sing hymns. <laughs> I don't That's know that? why. <laughs> and we always only know the first verse or two. And then we go, eh, what's now? Never mind. We we'll do the next next hymn. Next <laughs> <year>. <laughs> and in fact, the lyrics. We, we had a Zoom call on Christmas Day, Christmas evening, because it was a different Christmas this year. Obviously, a lot of us weren't together. We we're disparate and then um, most of us got on the call and at the end we just had a funny we did a few games and it was just it was just it was a lovely about an hour's call at the very end we said will we sing something so we sang away in a manger with my sister who's a very good singer and we all sang it now you know singing on zoom you're all in different times and and voices but it actually it was really sweet it was yeah okay does, does faith
0: still play a role in your life jill is something not like... really <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry
1: about that no it's a, it's a
0: question because it's it's something we we don't generally get involved in, in conversation about faith, but a, a lot of people going up, um, you know, particularly when, when challenges come in, people can turn to their faith. Uh, you know, and it, it's quite often people who who have turned away from faith and church and stuff like that when when they have challenges, you know, big big life challenges, they say things like "Oh God," uh, or they they say a little prayer or something like that that comforts them. So it's just it's just a perspective that that. Um, I I, you know, so. I
1: would like most people who've been brought up with a religion. I will say prayers when desperate. You know, as "Oh my God." Oh my God. But um, I no, I don't. I must confess, I'm kind of agnostic. I told my rector that at a funeral recently. He went, "What? What? <laughs> but yeah, I think so." And then um, I do believe in spirituality increasingly, and and, and that's kind of more my worldview. It's not. I'm not really interested in religion per se. I mean, I like Church of Ireland. So I grew up in that. I think it's a very nice religion, as religions go. It's very encompassing. It's very egalitarian. Women are allowed in there too, as well. well there are certain things I, you know, it's it, it, as as regards as regards a status. Co-religion I quite like it it's, it's quite modern And progressive And stuff like that But I don't know Maybe I don't know At the moment I, I'm ag- ag- Agnostic I think Yeah
0: okay. Jill Last last question for you Because we're just Coming up on time um, Last Who inspires you Oh no Last question last No, question,
1: yeah.
0: no. Uh, Unfortunately Unfortunately the, the Person thing Plays I don't know Who, who What inspires you and, and why
1: That's a really Good question I don't really know. Isn't that terrible? I don't have, like, people say, you ask the people no. that question, they say, oh, it's so-and-so, it's so-and-so. I know my mom inspires me, and my dad would have inspired me. He's dead now, about 13. My mom is amazing, um, so amazing parents. My family inspire me, and do you know what actually inspires me? Um, people, bits of people, not all of people. So, for example, there's you, Dave Delaney. You, I might not say Dave Delaney inspires me, but I will say that um, Dave Delaney inspires me here. Or there and it's not a small thing what well, might be a small thing as regards it's a part of a jigsaw of a whole piece but um mm. you you frequently inspire me on many levels including I'm doing the January February dry and you were doing that and the first person I wanted to tell was you because I, I thought about you I thought oh Dave did that thanks I'm going to tell him <laughs> he inspired me and he says very and also although I haven't done it yet getting up earlier you know so when I do <laughs> do that I'll be bringing you so actually Thank you. People have been asking me for a while and who inspires you. And I don't have one person that inspires me. But pieces of people inspire me for different times, reasons, seasons, you know, thoughts, whatever it is, different, different spaces. So, yeah, people I know inspire me. People I don't know inspire me. And they make a really interesting I wouldn't say a perfect person I'd say it would be a very imperfect person if you put them all together it'd be like an elephant with a giraffe's neck and you know a donkey's okay. tail or ears or something it'd be a very <laughs> strange creature but they're inspiring in their beautiful ways <laughs> okay excellent Jill
0: thank you so much for joining us this morning um it's been a pleasure and uh, you know an inspiration always to, to chat to you um so look we're gonna leave it there thank you so much for your time
1: thank you and I'm just sorry it wasn't longer I'm just getting excited
0: now (laughs) (laughs) we will do we'll do an episode
1: two (laughs) with the songs the the next with the songs exactly
0: (laughs) Gillian Godsell thank you very very much and that's it for another week thanks for joining us this morning and do join us next time on Be Your Best You have a good week